Hey everybody, it's Matt here. And before we get to the episode today, I just want to invite you to slay this giant of sexual sin with us. I want to invite you to consider doing an event with us. We have so many different kinds of events that we could do. There's events for men, there's events for men and women, events for parents, for youth, for young adults. There's Sunday morning preaching. Um, some of the events that we do are for our one-time things and some are weekend-long conferences. And so if this is on your heart and you'd like to address sexuality and porn in your church or in your circle, in your ministry or whatever that might look like, uh, I would invite you to go to restoredministries.ca slash events. You can see what's possible there with some things that we've done in the past. And we're also very flexible with working with different event organizers and, and churches in what it can look like for their particular setting. And so if you have it on your heart to carry the message forward of, of freedom and wholeness and health over sexual brokenness, I would love to chat about what that might look like. Go to restoredministries.ca slash events. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see my email and feel free to email me. We can hop on a Zoom call together and look at what doing an event together might look like for you. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Brad, Matt, I'm here. Brad, I'm here. Forget your name? Yeah. No, I was like, what are we? Oh, it's, been just a, gonna... it's been a long week and it's only Monday, hey? Yeah, that's right. Is it Monday? No, it's Tuesday. It's yeah, Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Well, there we go. I don't yeah, even know what day it is. Exactly. We're yeah. going to get things on track. Thankfully, we have Dr. Kim here who's going to help us out. <laughs> the guy does. We have selfish reasons for him on <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love struggling publicly and people other people are like, oh, I can do things too. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's right. None of us are perfect. So no, I'm excited today to talk about narcissism. I've been following Dr. Kim. He doesn't even didn't even know that before he reached out, but I've been following him for a while. And my wife and I love the awesome marriage Instagram page. And not only are you and Nancy super helpful, you're also super funny. And Thank so, you. <laughs> so yeah, we really, really appreciate and and I've got a lot from what you put out there. And so when you you reached out, it was awesome. Had a chance to speak with you on yes. your podcast and just wanted to, I mean, there's so much wisdom we can get from you. But when you talked about dealing with narcissism, I was super excited to to hear your wisdom on how to do that. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Matt. It was uh, so much fun when you and I recorded for Lost of Marriage podcast. And it's just an honor that you asked me and you and Braden. And it's good to spend time with you guys today. Yeah, it's good to spend time with you too, Dr. Kim, and excited to get to meet you a little bit. And I know you're joining us from sunny Oklahoma. So yes. um, love Oklahoma. Oklahomians, is that right? Is that how you? <laughs> Oklahomans? Uh, Oklahomans, I guess. I guess it's Oklahomans, okay. yeah. There we go. Yeah, good people. <laughs> yes. um, but thanks for joining us, Dr. Kim. And, and so this area, yeah, we were really excited to talk about this because I don't think we really give it much thought in our lives. Um, we've heard of narcissism. We don't know if it affects us. Maybe we don't necessarily know if there are narcissistic people in our lives. Maybe we think there are, but um, just starting off, what is narcissism? Maybe give us some framework. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think as we were talking just a little bit before we went on live is, you know, there, I think all of us can be a little narcissistic in our behavior. We can be selfish. We can, you know, want our own way, all those kind of things. But a narcissist is one that just takes it to the extreme. You know, they, it's kind of this excessive interest in admiration of themselves. They're very, very selfish. Their physical appearance is important too. They have this sense of entitlement. The one that I think could help affect, all those can affect relationships, particularly the lack of empathy. 
that they have for someone. So it's easy to just trash somebody and not think anything about it. They have this strong need for admiration, affirmation, and to be admired by other people. And so it's all those things when they go into it and that becomes someone's life, their lifestyle, it's, uh, it can be very damaging in relationships because it's all about them and nothing about you. And that that's hard. That's really hard when you get in a marriage relationship because that's not what you thought when you took the vows at the altar. You, you thought, you know, this is a, this is a teamwork. This is going to be my best friend. And all of a sudden you find this person is not that at all. It's all about them. And really they don't care a whole lot about you. Yeah. Yeah. They care about their, themselves and their own image. Hey, yes. And to use, yeah. you know, and to use the other person, you know, that, that, person, the spouse can become the, the scapegoat, you know, they're the bad person. I'm perfect. So, you know, it, it's just look at her. She's not very good. That's why I'm, you know, I'm the good guy. She's a bad guy. And it's tough. It's really tough. Super sad. So what, what's the, what's the tie in between narcissism and addiction? Because so many people that struggle with porn addiction, there's probably those elements to it. I remember one guy, he was married about 15 years and just, just made his wife feel like nothing. Right. And, mm. And just hid what he did, but it all got exposed. And thankfully, when he got involved with Restored, I remember right at the start, he's like, you know, I have narcissistic tendencies. And he actually did an evaluation with some practitioner where it was revealed that that he's got that to a higher degree than he realized. But not a lot of people, I think, recognize those, especially when they're in addiction, right? So what's the tie-in between narcissism and addiction? Yeah, I, I think when you, and that, I think it's a great tie-in because I think in the sexual relationship where we, you, in marriage, you have expectations of that. That's something that God designed to draw us closer to someone, to bond us together. There's a lot of things that God, you can use a sexual relationship to en enhance relationship. But basically a narcissist is just preoccupied with the set, their own satisfaction their needs over their partner's needs. They see their sexual desire probably as a personal right. It's kind of, they kind of get almost into what I would say, sexual entitlement in the relationship. They use manipulation to obtain sex. Uh, so they're kind of exploiting their spouse and they have this grandiose sense of, of their sexual ability or skills that, you know, I, why wouldn't you want to have sex with me? I'm Superman of sex, you know, or something like that. And then the whole thing, when, when the, the things that that, if you think about those things that I mentioned, how they would affect a woman in the relationship, and then there's no empathy from him to her. It's like, well, you know, it's kind of tough. That's your, that's your problem. And so if you, even when you take that in the sexual relationship, which is such an intimate thing and, and a woman wants that to be so relational and all that's stripped away. So all she has is this man that she married that just wants to use her. And I think there's a study that came out not too long ago, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but it said that people who use narcissists use internet pornography had a high level of narcissism than those who never used it. And I think we see pornography as being something very selfish. It's all about the person because there's this just object there that's on the screen or whatever, wherever they're seeing this. So pornography just kind of feeds that narcissism. And I think in our culture today, and that'd be one of the reasons we're seeing more of this is because pornography is so accessible so easily for everyone. And so you get with that and it, it's a very selfish and that carries over to your sexual relationship with your spouse. That's mm. tough. Yeah, that, absolutely. Well, and what you're talking about, I mean, pornography and in our world, it's so pornified, but it's a very self-focused, selfish view of sex. But when you add narcissism into the mix with that, I can imagine how deeply entrenched some of those beliefs can become. And if you are battling an addiction with pornography, 
I mean, we have to look inward. We have to own what's going on and ask for help. And that can be really hard if we have no designs upon that at all. Narcissistic tendencies, right? Absolutely. Very challenging. And so I know listeners out there might be thinking right now, oh my goodness, am I married to a narcissist? Or (laughs) what if I'm a narcissist? Like, so, so how do we identify some of these things? How do we know if we maybe are maybe have narcissistic tendencies first off, or maybe are married to someone who's a narcissist. Yeah, I think, I think it's hard for a narcissist, just kind of what you were saying, Brad, that when you have that and you have this grandiose uh, sense of yourself and of who you are, there's nothing wrong with me. So why would I get help? The problem is with everybody else around me, not me. And so for a narcissist to, to be successful in overcoming that, he's got to do exactly what you said. You've got to look inside and they don't do that very well. And, you know, my experience in being in counseling couples where the husband is a narcissist and we're talking because most situations there are female narcissists, but the higher percentage of things that we seem to deal with more in counseling things are the men. And so they come to counseling a couple of times with their wife, but they're coming for her because she has a problem. So I'm just coming. And then, then I give them some homework and I give them some things to do for a couple of reasons. One, I think it will help their marriage if they do it. And two, to see if he'll follow through with it. And so then he comes back and I, I just didn't really have time to do that. You know, I'm really busy. And so eventually he fades and I'm end up working with the spouse and trying to help her work through that. So it is, it's hard. Um, I've only had one person come out of it and it was really a guy that just, God just really, um, working his life. He was open. He was willing. He recognized it. He didn't want to continue to live his life that way. He did all the steps that you need to do to get to the point of saying, I, I, I want to, I want out of this. This is killing my wife. This is killing my family. That's so rare. It's so rare to mm. see something like that happen. And so if you're married to one, I, I think it's, um, it's tough. It's it's just because of all the things we talked about, because their sense of self-importance. So if you're looking, okay, is my spouse a narcissist? Sense of self-importance, preoccupation with power, success. They want to be seen as successful by people. There's that entitlement we talked about. And they have a tendency to put other people down. It's kind of interesting in a marriage situation. Usually the spouse is the one who's getting the put down. And a lot of times, Everybody else thinks this person is the greatest person in the world. I had a couple one time and I mean, this, this lady was just really had been, I I think if I'd known her 10 years earlier and saw her when I saw her in counseling, I wouldn't have recognized her because she's so beat down over the years. But this is the guy that would show up and lead the prayers that had, what's that meet at the flag deal that they do at the schools, always volunteering for things at church and everything, always being just. So everybody thought he was great. So when they'd ask about her, he could kind of, well, you know, she does have some problems. And so that, that whole thing of just how they can subtly or maybe overtly at times put their spouse down in a negative way because they need the praise. They need the admiration and the spouses didn't, that didn't cut it for them. It's gotta be all these other people. And then they want to be around other people that are important or feel that, that they can gain something for them. And so there's always no guilt, no shame, no matter what they do. And that lack of empathy, which is such a big deal. And then if you think about any relationship that you value, there has to be empathy in that. You've got to care about each other the, uh, in a way that you can be empathetic with them and put yourself in their shoes, and especially in a marriage relationship. But they got to be the top dog. They got to be the one that's admired. And so if those fit, you may be married to a narcissist, especially if you see it consistent over a period of time. And usually it gets worse. Usually that 
that sense of trying to be of grandiosity continues to escalate. And so uh, that's what I've seen in so many of them. It might start out kind of low and certainly before marriage, they're, they're able to hide it pretty well because if you knew all these things before marriage, you're probably gonna marry this person. So they have done to you what they do to other people. Now they, they make them think that it's the greatest person in the world. Then you get married and find it. And I've had people, I've had women tell me that literally on their honeymoon and one person said literally from the drive, from the, from the reception to the hotel, he started telling me how life was going to be with him. Wow. Oh. That's it's, scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, scary. you know, and she was a, perfect target for that wonderful lady but she was uh very submissive very quiet and she lived with it for about 15 years and before she said i can't do this anymore i just so what do you do yeah for sure in those in those 15 years or if a woman's trying to make it work how do you cancel counsel people and and it might be in a marriage context it might be even like kids to a parent or whatever but how do you deal with a narcissist well you uh, but I, it's tech, helping them see that they've let this person define them and they've let this person put negative labels all over them and that they're not there and, and really trying to take them back. Who does define them? Well, God's the one who defines you. God's the one who says this. And that's a hard push. Sometimes that's hard for all of us in some ways, but certainly someone that has been told that they're so bad for so long. And especially the guys that are just the the heroes in their church. I mean, first one to volunteer, first one to do everything, taking the pastor to lunch. And so they've built this case. And so I, I think it's it's uh, it makes it very, very difficult for this person in that situation. Mm, wow. Well, it sounds like it. And I mean, what happens for a narcissist? Like it's, are, are these typically very high achieving people because they need to have that platform or be looked upon a certain way and maybe not necessarily that, but so what happens for a narcissist if they start losing that control or don't feel like they're getting that affirmation that they desperately need from others? Do they beat down on their spouse even more or is there other destructive behaviors that come out? I think probably both. I, th- I think this, the spouse will probably continue to take the brunt of it, but they're going to do everything they can to change that on the outside. And so a lot of times that will be that may, they may end up then turning on somebody else. Maybe somebody in the church figures out or happens that their wife talks to his wife. And so they kind of say, hey, I, I think we need to look into a little more of what Bob's doing here. And then so all of a sudden, He's going to figure out a way to to discredit that person so he can still look good in the people's eyes that he wants to look good in. And I, I really do think most narcissists are are high achievers because that's they you know they want to continue to look as good as they can look, and so that's a good way to do that. And yeah, I'll just kind of go after you asked that question, Brad, and I just kind of went through in my mind. I can't think of a person I've worked with a male narcissists that didn't fit that description mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean the one part of their mo right. yeah the ones that i know too it's the same it, they're high achievers they have a great image don't let people know them and and it's funny because i was thinking of one particular instance the most prominent instance <laughs> that i know of dealing with a narcissist and i was thinking of how they discredit anybody who has something negative to say about them or disagrees with them maybe yeah Yeah, exactly or disagrees for sure and it could be even something just like who cares like some small little thing right so i was thinking about that and then you said the word they discredit people and i was like yeah exactly and so they do and i remember talking to you dr kim last time a month ago on your podcast or after we recorded and just about this and saying like when i started learning about 
narcissist, it was, it was in dealing with somebody in my own life. And then I started seeing, like learning about it. And the person I was learning from were saying, narcissists will say this and say this. And it was exactly the words that I was hearing from this person. And I remember you saying like, yeah, they all say the same things, right? What are some of those things that you could look for if you're dealing, if you're trying to figure out if you're dealing with a narcissist? Well, I think, yeah, they're always going to put themselves first for sure. And they're, uh, and I think that's true. I think they just kind of what you said it, that they have a pattern, you know, you, when you read a book and it gives your checklist in there, they didn't write that book for just one person. That book mm -hmm. was written because people fall into this. So I, I, I think the tendencies are, you know, some of the things we said that they are going to, they, they constantly need for admiration, putting someone else down, preoccupied with power, um, all those kind of things that, that just make sure that they're on top is really what it is all the time. And I think though, they, it's not like, I think it's interesting because in my experience, it has not been that they get to the top and are satisfied and stay there. I think there is a driving something underneath, which I think is insecurity that makes them add another rung of that ladder. Okay, I got to go up here now. And once I get there, then I, so they're always going to be escalating because there's that fear, I think, deep down inside that somebody's going to figure this out. Right. Now, they're, you're never going to see that. They're never going to talk about that. But I think it, it has to be there. It just follows along with their behavior patterns of continuing to, you know, if they see a not a fire, maybe a match strike, they're going to put that out. Right. And if right. there's, and it, it, so it never gets to a fire. Right. And right. so, so they I'm, may I'm, change friends. I've seen them change friend groups, you know, those kind of things. Right. And I'm picking up Dr. Kim. So you're saying that someone who's narcissistic over time, this can build, get um, more advanced in that kind of behavior. And I mean, it was just interesting because I was just recently, I was reading in, in first Samuel about Saul and here was a guy who's very insecure and then started to develop some very severe narcissistic tendencies to the point where no one could challenge him or he created this position where just based on that insecurity where he he couldn't have anyone oppose him or even be elevated above him in praise like david right right um, yeah. and so with in this case like how is a narcissistic formed like is this something that how something happens in childhood or or how does this develop over time I, that's a really good question. I don't know that I've got a great answer for it uh, or things that I've read, but usually I think there can be things. This, um, the person that, that I saw that really came out of it, he was uh, pretty much um, of the three kids in the family. He was the golden child. He always got everything that he wanted, but at some point in there, yes, you get that feels good. You get a payoff because of it, but at some point you still make that choice, I think. And because how do I, you know, if I'm insecure, how do I cover that? How do I not let people see that? Cause I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be transparent with anybody. So if I make everybody think that I'm this, this great person, then I don't have to let people see my insecurity. And so maybe it begins out of a way to cope with that insecurity in an unhealthy way that leads into that. And what happens, it works. And then they see it work again and again, and all of a sudden it becomes a behavior pattern and that becomes their, their normal. Mm. And I've talked to guys that, you know, that maybe, I don't know, maybe tried to come out of it. I don't know if that's the right word uh, in a younger, but, but it just didn't work for them. It was too scary. So they jumped back into it. And then once you're in that pattern for so long, but I think too, you know, why does someone not have empathy? That's always, I think, something to look at. And sometimes there are things that happen, I think, in childhood 
that that someone is damaged and I'm not going to get hurt anymore. And they make that decision at a young age that nobody's ever going to hurt me anymore. And so I'm not going to let myself go. And so if you're not willing to love, to show empathy, to care at any level for someone, you get pretty hardened. And then all of a sudden those things that you may have had some of those qualities are they're buried so deep. They don't surface anymore. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's really sad. I, I think it's so helpful with what you're saying to for people to realize that if you're dealing with that with a narcissist, married or otherwise, you're not what they're saying about you isn't necessarily true. Like they're going after you, they're insulting you. And it's just them. It's not you. It, it, I think it's so helpful to realize like you're not the only one in that position. This is how they are. Absolutely. And and I think it's, it's so or, or go ahead. Well, I know it's so hard not to personalize it because they're so good at it. I mean, they're really good at it. And, and you've probably bought into it for a period of time and mm -hmm. you begin to think, you know, I've had probably every wife I've worked with that had, was married to a narcissist said, I think I'm crazy. He makes me think I'm crazy. I feel right. like I'm crazy. And that's exactly where he wants you because he's got total control then. And he's also got control of what he tells other people. Yeah, she is a little crazy. I have to live with her, but I, I can do that. It's okay. You know, just wow. the things that can come out of a narcissist's mouth are just amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. In my experience, it's amazing. It's like, how do you even, I can't comprehend how you get there. It's, it's a wild thing. I, I think James four, it was coming to mind. Like, why do you quarrel? Don't you realize it's with, it's what's yeah. within you. <laughs> it's not yeah. like you quarrel because your wife is wrong. Not within you and and i always think too of proverbs 9 when i think of this stuff is it says whoever corrects a mocker invites insults whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse and so you correct a mocker you rebuke the wicked That's you're going to get a whole lot coming back at you but it's not because of what's wrong with you it's just what's in them and absolutely. it's a really really hard thing to deal with do you do you ever advise somebody leaving? Do you, what do you what do you yeah, advise? I'm, I'm glad you asked because I think we need to talk about. Yes, I think what I do with P, I never, I never would say to someone you need to get a divorce in that situation, but I do think you need to be safe. I do think you and you, we've got to make sure you and your kids are safe because sometimes it'll bleed over to the kids or or maybe one of the kids that just maybe maybe is a little more rebellious or challenging dad some. Well, then he's going to become that child is probably going to become a target too. Get safe get yourself healthy. Don't get the divorce, but give him an opportunity to, to change, to get help. And if he does, then down the line, you can see about getting together, but I think it's gotta be a step at a time. And mm -hmm. so get yourself safe, get yourself healthy. And just where they can even look at it objectively. Sometimes they, you know, they know so bad they're hurting and, and it, and this isn't right, but they're so trapped in that that they just need to know it's okay. It's okay to leave right now. It's okay to leave. You're not doing something because if, you know, they can use religion against them. Well, you're, you're not supposed to get divorced. You're not supposed to leave, you know, and you're supposed, you know, and then you can take, um, misuse Ephesians five and, you know, uh, you got to do everything I say, you know, and, and I'm, you know, you can take some scriptures out of context and just twist them around where they can use it to their advantage. And so they, someone in those situations have been beat up pretty bad and just helping them make that step. There are, there are probably organizations ever city. We have a great organization in Oklahoma city where women can go with their kids. They can just pick up and go there 
and they can stay there until they figure out if they don't have family or somewhere else they can go and help them get on track. And then you, then the ball goes back to the, the husband's court. And is he going to do something? Most of them don't, or most of them are going to act. Maybe some will act like they're going to do it. Right. But what I tell somebody until you see a heart change and that what I mean, the word there really is repentance for that, where they really let Christ come in and, and work on them and change them. If that heart changes there, anybody can do behavior modification for a while. Yeah. You know, yeah. they did it to get you in the first place. You know, you married him, this guy. So he's good at it. You're nice. You're a good person. And he married you, got you to marry him. So it, it, that becomes part of it too. Of, uh, when you look at that picture. Mm. And I just want to hop in here and ask, cause you're, you're talking about scriptures and one, one that often has come up in people that I've talked to in the ministry is, is about giving each other, uh, your marital duty. You have to give each other sex. Don't come apart for, for a time other than fasting and praying. And so somebody addicted or somebody insecure or narcissistic will say like, look, it's, it's your duty to give this to me. What's wrong with you? You have to do this. And so I've seen that play out and I'm not saying, and I think you would agree, not everybody who says that is a narcissist. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding, but can you speak to that verse? Like how does, how does a wife protect herself while trying to honor a biblical, uh, the Bible? That's a really good question. I think there are principles in the Bible and there's absolutes and truths. And I think that's a principle. And I think that what God says about the sex relationships and other parts of scripture, it is a, it's something that's supposed to connect us and to enhance our relationship. Well, that doesn't fit that description. I think of what the sexual relationship is. If it's a, if it, your spouse is holding that over your head, well, here's the scripture, you know, that's not, intimacy that's not romance that's not closeness none of those things are there it's just him having sex you know and and he want need a body to perform on and you happen to be there you're laying in the bed so it becomes you and nothing else to it and so then the women that that happens to i've had so many women tell me i feel like i'm a prostitute yeah i feel like it, because it didn't care anything about me it just used me and then he turns over and goes to sleep or he gets up and goes to work or whatever and may not even look back so yeah, that's, that's hard. And, and so I think what God wants, he, the sexual relationship was not designed to be that way. It, it's a mutual love, respect, giving, taking relationship and narcissists don't understand that because they get what they want. I think most of the deal, everything that they do, there's a payoff. And, and so if they get the payoff, it doesn't really matter how much collateral damage is around because they got their payoff. Right, right. Wow. I so appreciate that, Dr. Kim, because I know there's a lot of people listening out there, even women who have had that held over their head for a long time, and they've felt a lot of guilt because they don't want to be in a marriage like that. But at the same time, they feel this duty, um, like Mal, you were talking about that scripture. So they feel that they have to stay and not set boundaries and suffer and offer suffer in silence. And they keep getting beaten down in this kind of relationship. So I appreciate that because we, we've heard stories of, of women getting really terrible advice that they have to remain in a marriage like that. And it's caused so much pain for them, for kids, the marriage as a whole, because it's it's not the marriage of way the way that God's designing it. It's it is definitely a I take from you and you just have to, you know, live with that. And and that's very damaging. So I appreciate that, you know, for listeners out there, they can set boundaries in place and and know that they have that ability to do that. And that's that's something that 
you know, God wants us is to be safe and secure in our, in our lives, in our marriage. Cause that is what a good marriage is, right? Is where we feel absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I am so glad you brought that because I think, um, I just talked to a lady not too long ago and her church had done exactly that. The pastor said, you need to stay in there. You need to be obedient to God. You need to have sex where he wants, you know, and, and this pastor knew the abusive things that this guy was verbally doing to this woman and just put it off. And and finally she was able to, through counseling, to get strong enough to say, this isn't right. And I would just say, if you're in an abusive, narcissistic situation and your church doesn't support you, you need to find another church. You don't need to be in one like that. That is not biblical. It's not, I don't know what I'd call it, but yeah. And and I think too, the, you mentioned the boundaries and I think it's really, uh, for some people, maybe their first step is not just walking out, but to set the boundaries. Okay. We're not going to have a sex unless we both want to, or you can't treat me that way. You can't say those things to me more and set the boundaries. Now, I don't think, I think you'll cross all over them and you'll end up probably separating anyway, but maybe that gives you a little more Maybe it solidifies your reason a little bit more for you because it's hard. It's hard to walk out and be from someone away from someone like that and not feel guilty because you're so, you've been so trained the other way. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. That's true. I want to, I want to ask you a question because earlier you talked about that guy who you worked with, who he did the work, he took, he did the steps you said to get free of the narcissism and, and actually truly repent. If somebody is, coming out of addiction, they're starting to be more aware, they're looking at their heart, they're like, whoa, I've got these tendencies in me. What are some of those steps that they can take? Okay. I, to- yeah, I think, um, well, the first thing is what you just said, you got to want to do better. And then I think you want to find a really good Christian counselor that has done some work in this area. They don't have been that all they do, but someone who, who understands that, that can continue to to help you get at the root of it. Just kind of, we were talking earlier, where, where did that go? And help them understand that they're defined by God, just like their spouse is, and that they need to see whatever happened to them or whatever went on or why they're acting like this is not who God intended them to be. And so let's figure out where that started. Let's let God bring healing there. And once you start into it, you got to you gotta push through because you may have a tendency to say, I don't want to do this because you're not getting the payoff that you were getting at one time. There's going to be a transition period. And I think too, just make sure there's a counselor can help you see, is there anything else there or any other mental health issues that have contributed to that or are contributing to that? So I, I think it's, it's saying, I want to get help. I know this is wrong. I'm willing to go to counseling. I'm willing to follow the counsel of this person and do whatever it takes. And then obviously a lot of prayer. I mean, the, the real change is going to come in your heart. And God does that and just know it's going to take some time to get there. And I think the other thing is you can't start that track and expect your wife to start doing cartwheels in celebration mm-hmm. because it they've been beat down a long time and it's going to take a long time and you got to be willing to do that. It's going to be a long road probably until she is willing to let her guard down a little bit, especially if she's separated, she's gotten safe. And it's to think about going back in to get her picture is going to be what it was, not what it could be, where you can see what it could be. And so it's going to be a process. And I think that's where the, the then you begin to meet together as a husband and wife. And then you begin to do some things to see if that trust can be rebuilt in any way. You know, it's a long, hard process, but it's so 
worth it. I think this guy, if we called him right now and, and got him on, he would say, oh my gosh, my life is so much better. It's hard being a narcissist. It takes, it drains you because you, you can't let anything, you got to be aware of everything. You can't let something pop up out there that you don't have control over. So it's a lot of work. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds more exhausting than being a narcissist because <laughs> yeah, <yes. laughs> you're, you're always trying to stay in an in position of, of, of authority or power. And I can imagine even in your own personal walk with Jesus, how you're just not experiencing the fullness of that because I mean, who's sitting on that throne of your heart? You know, is it, is, is if you placed God there or allowed him into that area of your life or are you maintaining some level of authority or trying to maintain that over your situation? So I can see how this would be so exhausting. You're not experiencing what God wants for you or has for you and anybody that you connected to you too, they're, they're suffering as well. So <laughs> relationally, you're not doing well. And, and no. the relationships you're tied to are not doing well. So no, and I, I think most, I'm not saying everybody that, but I think most people are cultural Christians that fall into that. I mean, go to right. church because it makes me look good. I go to church because that's what people expect of me or the crowd I'm in or whatever, but I really don't have that relationship. But I, I go through all the motions. I look good. I can check all the boxes and say, I prayed every day. I read some Bible every day. I did this, this, and this. But if it doesn't penetrate your heart, it's just, you know, just like I went to the grocery store and I bought milk, bread, and this. You know, it's it's no different list of the impact it has on you. Yeah, and I love that you're saying that because when you're saying it's hard to walk it out, it's very un, it's a, it's an uncomfortable thing. You say some people start and then they go back because it's comfortable and it's going to be uncomfortable to walk in repentance, to walk it out, mm -hmm. coming out of, of narcissism. But also it's so powerful to understand that God's forgiveness is even for that. Absolutely. And that we can walk in his grace and that we don't need to feel guilty every day about what we've done. Guilt can lead us to that repentance and lead us to the grace of God. And it's so important because it's so uncomfortable to change. It's so uncomfortable when you don't get the rewards that you would get when you're a narcissist. Yeah. But God's grace is real. And so he can help you walk that out. Yeah, that's well said, Matt. It, it's it's um, it's worth it. It's so worth it to do that. But it but it is hard. And you know, and I th I think if someone there and you take a step back, you know, that's okay. But but step forward again as quick as you can, and fight the fight. And it helps when you know. I think that's where it helps to have a counselor to walk through it with you that can encourage you at times. You know, you may not be getting encouragement from anybody else, but when the counselor can see something, hey, maybe it was a baby step, but it's a baby step you hadn't made before. So I think, I think that's good. You, I don't think you could do it on its own. I think it's, you know, we've used the word addiction. It, it's like any other addiction. People, if it's alcohol, well, yeah, I'm, I've been clean for three years and step back, but I'm going to get back on. I'm going to start going to meetings again. So th there's that process with addiction that comes because at, at some point in our minds, the addiction worked, mm, you right. know, it worked for us. And so if they never worked, I mean, the first time you drank alcohol, you got sicker than you've ever been in your life. You might not ever take that second drink, you know, yeah. but, but, but you, you like, kind of liked how it made you feel. And you kind of liked people laughed at my jokes a little better when I was drinking. And so you get these things in our mind, the same thing with the narcissist that I got a lot of affirmation from this, man. There's some people think I am really good. And so you get past all those things. Yeah, Absolutely kind of that reinforcement that uh, we, we get in those situations. And it's easier to get that than do the hard work of working with uh, and partnering with the Holy Spirit in our lives, but being community, saying, I need help, getting a counselor, getting help. 
and you're not going to get that encouragement from your spouse right now. You've damaged that. You know, yeah. you're just not. So you, you've got to put other people in your life that can walk with you through that. That's right. That's right. Dr. Kim, thank you so much for this. It's been so good and insightful. And, and thank you for sharing your wisdom on a topic we haven't talked a lot about, but it's very, very necessary and relevant. So I'm sure it's going to help people. You've got your counseling center in Oklahoma City people can take advantage of. You've got your ministry, obviously. Can you just share where people can find you either locally or online? Sure, sure. Well, the counseling center is Family Christian Counseling, and we've got a great group of counselors there. We do virtual as well as in person. And then also Marriage is our online ministry. And then we reach thousands of people every day. And you can go to awesomemarriage.com. We have Awesome Marriage University where we have a number of courses that can help couples. We have resources. We have a one thing email that goes out every Monday through Friday, one thing you can do for your marriage. So we've got a lot of resources there. We've got a lot of free resources. Then we've got some courses and things that can really help you grow. So just go to awesomemarriage.com and you can probably find your way to anything else by going there. Right. Well, thank you, Dr. Kim. That gives hope because many people out there don't realize there are resources, there are supports out there. And you're at the vanguard of that in this area. And so we so appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for being here. Everybody listening out there, thank you for <laughs> tying into this podcast today. Please check in with all those resources you mentioned with Dr. Kim. We're excited that you have heard this today and we hope that God uses this in your life and that you can get the help and support that you need. So thank you. Bless you. Cheering you on. We're in your corner. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.